Hey y'all, this is Shiree Williams. I am currently a doctoral student at the University of Texas at Austin, where I started in the fall my first year. So pretty excited about that journey. Thank you for not making that a very long intro. <laughs> you know, I do what I can. Welcome to Sketchbook Podcast, a discussion about inspiration and process with artists, creators, and designers. As usual, I'm your host, Daniel Montoya Jr. Shiree, you are the first guest in Sketchbook Podcast history that aside from meeting once before UT game and us being friends on Facebook, which means, of course, we're friends, that I don't know personally. Like, I don't have a long history with you, so this is going to be very exciting because I'm going to learn so much about you through our conversation today. And I've already learned so much about you based on your incredibly smart outfit that you have worn today. And I would like you to stop at footwear, but I'd like you to describe what you are wearing um, today for the recording session. So Daniel, first of all, thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast. Oh. This is really an honor. Dozens uh, of people are excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my outfit today, honestly, I, I was in the shower and I thought about it. I was like, hmm. So I went to my closet and I'm like, I'm going to pick this, I'm going to pick this, and I'm pick the shoes. It was just really that simple. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I usually don't pick it before, you know, uh, like the night before. Mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. It's moment's notice. I see. So the <laughs> outfit I have on is all denim. Yes, it is. Um, what folks in Texas like to call, I think, the Texas, the Texas tuxedo. tuxedo. <laughs> I'm like, I've never heard of that. Uh, <laughs> but all denim and the shirt I have on, of mm -hmm. course, it's a button down, and it has all these different... Um, colors mm -hmm. of denim yes. you know so it's different on each side of the shirt um and then the jeans of course are all denim and the shoes don't talk about the shoes yet oh i can't talk about shoes. no no no, uh, no, no. but the the outfit okay so yes. the outfit is all denim it's awesome i will probably take a picture and post oh. it somewhere i don't know yes who, yes who knows yes yes you're also wearing some really cool transparent glasses oh snap yes so warby parker yeah i have i have warby parker I subscribe. To I them, yes. love Warby Parker. Absolutely. I have like five pair, but um, the transparent glasses—they're mm -hmm, pretty mm -hmm. awesome. The all clear glasses are great. Uh, I love what the frames look like on my face. And then I have mm -hmm. like this nice—it is very nice fossil watch. I noticed that uh, silver, nice clean uh, look. I like the simple looks really. No, I think, I think it's they great. speak the best honestly sure sometimes I, I go for the you know yeah out of well, control yeah ut games yes i got you, you know yeah, yeah the fringe <laughs> yeah the cowboy no, hat yes, shake yes. a little bit <laughs> <laughs> um i will i hope it doesn't offend anybody that's been on this podcast before but you are by far the best dressed guest of all time well so, you know what i appreciate that yes i, I appreciate good fashion I, yes. same yeah God i don't know why men don't think they can dress well come I on i honestly geez. don't understand that i don't get it's it it's funny because i didn't always dress this way oh it was um when i was in under well of course my mom and dad taught me like you always have to look your best and yes of course. make sure that you're ironed and you're polished yes. and all of that stuff before Agreed. we left the house mm -hmm. so when i went to college i was like i'm not i'm gonna wear like basketball <laughs> shorts and a t-shirt mm -hmm. and then my best friend she said shiree you always have to look your best you always need to take pride in what you look like and mm -hmm. that's from what you wear how you speak how you, all of that and from that moment I was like, okay. So 8 o'clock a.m. music theory classes, mm -hmm. I was dressed. 
to a T. There you go. And people are like, what is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> you got a court date today? <laughs> What's going on? Like 7 a.m.? like, yeah, I did. Um, but it's it's always followed me. And so right. I, I take that to heart. I, I love it. Everything. Uh, again, you were listening to the fashion podcast here, Sketchbook. <laughs> I would love to talk about fashion all day. Same. Um, so uh, I'm, granted, now I'm not, very, I'm, I'm getting a haircut later, which is why I'm wearing a hat. And they always get hair, you know, now I feel, usually I'm like better dressed than my guests. So I should, I mean, we should pause this now and go change. <laughs> You're right, you're right, you're right. You didn't okay. even help you coordinate an oh outfit. Oh, my God. I'll, my I'll friend, be your stylist. My friends are going to clown me on this, like, oh, man, Shiree took you to town on this. Yeah. All right, so, Shiree, you are from the great state, um, not football-wise, but the great state of Georgia, right? Yes. And yes. what's the city you're from? Waycross, Georgia. Now, for those of us that don't know anything about Georgia geography, where is that? So, Waycross, Georgia um, is, you know where Savannah's located? I know of Savannah, and I know where Atlanta is. So from Atlanta, I'm four hours south, okay. and that's right there near the Georgia-Florida border. Oh, okay, yes. Um, and Waycross is where I grew up. Mm-hmm. It's where I became me and mm-hmm. developed and grew and all of that stuff. Right. Um, also, we have a swamp. I don't know if you've ever heard of this swamp. It's the Okefenokee swamp. swamp. Oh, no, never heard of that. That's what our town is, is kind of known for, the Okefenokee swamp. Wow. Yeah, and okay. our mascot is like a possum. <laughs> <laughs> so that all right a lot that, about. that all right I, i'd hate to dress up in that outfit every every uh you know august in yeah. georgia i can only imagine what you that's know, like you know it's all right the swamp so something. so you are from georgia so that means that you are a texas transplant yes so i have some questions that i like to ask everybody i usually do it at the end but we're going to get to know each other before we get into the hard-hitting questions so Let's do it as a texas transplant i want to know your thoughts on the following things okay torchies tacos they're good they're good. I, I like them. Okay. All right. Chewies. Chewies is okay in a pinch. Mm. Taco Cabana. They're all right. <laughs> all right. Whataburger. Whataburger. You know what? I just had a patty melt the other day, mm-hmm. and it was delicious. Oh, so right. I, I really enjoy Whataburger. Good, good. That's good. Mighty Fine Burgers? Haven't had it. Oh, okay. Right. P. Terry's Burgers? P. Terry's is... Okay. Ooh, that was a pregnant it's, pause. You know what? It's, it's <laughs> okay. It's pause. okay because sometimes it reminds me of McDonald's. And I... Oh, God. And McDonald's. you love McDonald's. Oh. <laughs> hey, I hate McDonald's. McDowell's? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Pete Terry's is okay in a okay. pinch. All right. That's fine. Rudy's Barbecue. Rudy's, their brisket sandwich is fine. Yeah, I think so too. I'll uh, eat it. Salt Lake Barbecue. Salt Lake is good. Mm-hmm. I, I'll go there and eat and drink and be fat. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Franklin's Barbecue. Have you done it? Franklin's. I haven't tried it just because like the line is always yeah. out the door. So you got to do that. Yeah, you got to do it once before you die. I got to try it. At yeah. least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Plucker's Wings. Plucker's is fine. I don't think they cook their wings well enough. Really? Honestly. Wow. Yeah, I know. They're, they're probably going to They're my me. favorite uh, wing place in Austin. But I I'm, Really? Well, I don't like um, Buffalo Wild Wings. I will not go there. The, people, the place that my, people, my friends say they like Wingstop. You know and there's what? one right down the street. Wingstop is okay, but you got to try Wings Up. Wings Up? It's over by the HEB off 41st. Okay. And I don't know what it is about those wings, but they are the best wings I've had since being here. I, I might go after I'm this. I just literally saying. might go to this. Wings Up. Wings you say. Up. And okay. have them cooked like crispy. Crispy. I got to tell them crispy. 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 
You okay. know what I'm saying? I, I will find out. All right. This is very exciting. <laughs> I've learned. About. So um, what would you say is maybe some of your favorite restaurants, either fast food or casual or like you know, uh, creme de la creme down here in Austin or in the Texas area since you were in Dallas for a while? So um, here in Austin, I really love this one restaurant. It's it's beautiful atmosphere, beautiful crafted drinks, mm-hmm. beautiful food, I think. And okay. I, I happen to know the owner, too. Oh, wow. Well, um, humble brag. Peche. Oh, yes. It's yes. fantastic. <laughs> like, it's fantastic food, mm-hmm. fantastic atmosphere. Right. Um, and it helps when you know the owner and, and yeah. those that work at the bar. And they're like, here, here's a drink on me. And I'm like... Okay. <laughs> Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Yeah, so Peche is one of them. Uh-huh. Um, I've been to a series. I have some in my phone that I like to keep uh, track of because I can't remember things. Right. I have a terrible memory. David, <laughs> so, um, but I can get you those other restaurants. Oh, well, I mean, that's not going to help people on this podcast. I know. Well, what, are, what are some places that you tried that you're like, eh, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. Thank you. Um, let's see. I can't really think of one at the moment, just because I, I like to read reviews. Oh, Yelp reviews? Yelp, Yelp reviews uh-huh. and Google reviews. Yeah. And if they don't have like a consistent, mm, you know, yeah. succession of reviews, mm-hmm. one after the other, I tend not to go. So That's smart. That's smart. Yeah. Um, you're, you're a Georgia native. Yes. You've established. Yes. Um, so I have a question I'm going to ask you that I don't actually ask anybody else okay. because you're from Georgia. The first time I went to Georgia, um, I discovered Zaxby's and I loved Zaxby's. And then they put some over here, but they're like not even in Austin. They're like right. in Cedar Park and San Marcos and whatever. Right. I have always said that I prefer Zaxby's to Chick-fil-A. So this is a two question. How do you feel about Zaxby's compared to Chick-fil-A? Because Chick-fil-A is a Georgia thing. And because you're from Georgia, so you either got to defend her honor or not the Popeye's chicken sandwich versus Chick-fil-A. So let's, let's, let's get into Popeye's, Zaxby's, and Chick-fil-A. You know what? Let's do this. So... <laughs> Wow, you're so, so funny story. Yes. I was employed in, at Zaxby's uh, <gasps> as I was uh, matriculating through high school. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I loved working at Zaxby's. I really did. It was, once upon a time, they wanted to make me a manager. And I was like, no, I got to go to college. Mr. Manager. Wow. Yeah. And do music. Yeah. So, yeah, sure. Um, but anyway, loved Zaxby's. I gained like 20 pounds working at Zaxby's <laughs> because I would eat the chicken and toast. Oh, almost. I would just day. eat the chicken and toast. That's yeah. really all it is. <laughs> and the fries are good too with the Zach sauce. Oh uh-huh. God, you gotta sure. have it. So I worked there uh, for the longest, and then even uh, part of my undergrad, I came back in the summers, mm-hmm. and I would work there in mm-hmm. Waycross, Georgia. Now, Waycross, we had a Zaxby's. Uh, so I really enjoy Zaxby's okay. quite some bit. I think it's so much better than Cane's. Oh, which I, I, I don't think even Kane's talk is about. A terrible play. If you need to put sauce on your chicken, your chicken's not that good. Right. I don't so, understand that. No. So um, Zaxby's compared to Chick Fil A. Yeah. Here we go. Round one. I think that Zaxby's chicken is much more flavorful. Agreed. I think the fries, the seasoning that we they used at Zaxby's, I say we because I don't you, know. You're, you never you never leave. You, you know, I'm always, still working there. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the seasoning they use on the fries, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. everything is is fantastically done, I yeah, think, at Zaxby's. I agree. Um, Chick-fil-A, now they have their things mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, what they're known for, the original chicken sandwich or whatever it's cool and i'll eat it every now and then but 
If we had a Zaxby's here in Austin, oh, I would probably be there all the time. Oh, I would too. And would be really fat. So so don't go clinic in Cedar Park because yes. you, you would pass a Zaxby's all the time. <laughs> and so. I would probably go. Guts? Do you have, get, a, do you have your card? Like your oh, former uh, employee card? And you like I, give him no, a handshake or I don't a have or that. But uh, it's weird because every time I go back to Waycross, which isn't really often, <clears throat> but when I do go, the manager is still there. Seriously. That I with. Yeah. Wow. And so she will like cop me a meal and like we'll talk and because <laughs> mm-hmm. i think i was one of her favorite employees uh, probably the I favorite think so employee. yeah. I think. You, you were the heir and then you left i know then oh, i left wow. and people got sad but um anyway i love zaxby's i think it's great um not to say chick-fil-a isn't i just have a preference right for, well i did zaxby's. ask you to rank them so now we go to round two the final round here there's the popeye's chicken sandwich versus the uh, zaxby's i guess can i say that i've never had the popeye's chicken i haven't sandwich? either and i don't think i want to have i don't it. either I don't, I don't, I think it's like a, when you, people tell you to see you know, this movie, it's so good. It's so good. And you're like, it's never going to be as good as everyone's saying. And yeah. so I'm just, I'll just let it exist. Like Schrodinger's cat, right? Like, yeah. I don't know if it's good or bad. And if I don't try it, I don't have to worry about I it. I don't think I want it to be quite honest with you. And plus I've never really liked Popeye's. Really? To be I honest. Pop- I always get like the box of the, the spicy chicken and a loaf of bread. Oh, <laughs> God, I can't, I just, it's something about it that I just couldn't connect with hmm. when I've tried it. Sure. And a lot of friends be like, Hey, let's, let's go to Popeye's and get this. And I'm like, Oh, gross. Popeye's. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. All right. So Popeye's will not Sorry, be sponsoring Popeyes. you um, yes, later on in life. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's funny. Okay. So it appears you're going to Spain. What's that all about? Mm. Huh? So, um, <laughs> I've always just wanted to visit sure. and I've, I've made it a thing that every spring break or every summer that mm-hmm. I need to go out of the country. Do it. And I, just because I never really got to do that growing up, mm-hmm. we would mm-hmm. go to places in, you know, the United States and uh, we did, I did contests and stuff that I was participating in. Of course, mm-hmm. I, I traveled throughout the U.S., but never anything outside. Mm-hmm. So when I got of age, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And so Spain has been one of those places that I've, I've wanted to visit. Yeah. So in March, I'll go to Madrid mm. for about three days and then Barcelona for four. And I'm just going to tour the city and do all the things that Madridians and, and Barcelonians do right. and eat a lot uh-huh. and drink a lot. I and, can only imagine. I want to go to Spain. And Bar- I've heard people say Barcelona is like, well, I have a wife and a kid. And I mean, they, well, you, you want to be they can come too. Oh, come on. Yeah. You want to, you definitely want to go to Spain with a three-year-old. That's for sure. No, that's exciting. I, I look forward to living vicariously for you. I will um, post pictures. I'm, I'm sure. I, I have promise. no doubt. Yes. Yes. So as you mentioned, you're currently a doctoral of musical arts candidate in wind conducting at the University of Texas at Austin. Shivey's dancing right now. Yes. He didn't say hook him, which is, you know, it's not ingrained in you yet. I mean, not quite. Not quite. Um, so let, let's talk about, but first I want to talk about Texas chili. Okay. Just Texas chili. Mm-hmm. Do you like Texas chili? I haven't had much of it to be oh, to have okay. an opinion. Okay. So just all right. Well, that, there'll be a follow up later. There that but, is. Okay. So um, we're working backwards in your timeline here. So mm-hmm. you you were a teacher. You, mm-hmm. I mean, you are a teacher. You were a public school teacher. <laughs> yes. And then you moved up the ranks and you got your master's and and what now? So you're getting your doctorate. <clears throat> what? Why did you decide to get your doctoral of music arts and uh, not just UT, but why do you want to be a DMA? What's what's the deal with that? Well, really, it's it's always been a dream of mine to have the doctorate. It's been a personal goal mm-hmm. of mine to to get my doctorate. Um, I'm the first, really, in my family to you know go to college mm-hmm. uh, to receive an advanced degree and to receive an even more advanced mm-hmm. degree. So it's always been one of those things that Shiree. 
you're going to go get your doctorate and you're going to do it and you're going to do it well. Mm -hmm. And so also the other side of it is we kind of have to have our doctorates to work at the collegiate level. Correct. Yeah. It's just one of those prerequisites. Nowadays. Now it is. Right. Mm -hmm. You you can't go on with your master's or undergrad anymore. Those (laughs) 1950s eras are over. Um, (laughs) Oh, (laughs) but um, but yeah, so so that's the. Huge reason, and of course, I I've always wanted to uh, come here mm-hmm. at, at UT Austin yeah. uh, for that degree. Mm-hmm. I've I've told many many people that this is my dream come true school. Oh, okay. Um, not many people know that, but I've told a few people. Everyone's it's, gonna know. It's that. my dream come true school. I'm working with my dream come true teacher, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm doing it with my dream come true team. Um, my cohort, my friends, my family. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's it's been a huge honor and a and a huge huge time, I'd have to say, being here right. uh, at the University of Texas at Austin. That's awesome. So what is your favorite thing about UT so far? Hmm. <laughs> Let's see. My favorite thing? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm trying to... I'm. You've never sat back and go like, oh, you know, I never, well, the thing is people will think like Texas football and they're like, oh, you get to be a part of that. And I'm like, yeah, that's, I mean, it's football. Sure. 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 We all know the answers of Getchy, but (laughs) let's, let's, let's be real. There's gotta be some other reason. Of course. Oh, Getchy's great. She's my roommate, by the way. Is she really? Yeah. We're always together. (laughs) Why didn't she show up then? Oh, bro. She's on business, but um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, (laughs) But um, I, my favorite thing about it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is this so hard? That's Everything's your favorite? I, I really enjoy it all, to be quite honest. I mean, I love the teaching aspect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love getting to connect with the students. Uh, I love learning from all of my, my teachers there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the experience, all of it is just really rich and, and it's full of quality. And I love it yeah. a lot. I mean, from being in my musicology classes mm-hmm. to being in my theory class, I mean, to being in wind literature, all of that stuff is really great. And even serving as a TA for the ensembles and different classes that, you know, we're given authority to do so. I mean, it's, it's great. All of it's really good. So. Okay. All right. It's a cop out. Yeah. I, yeah right. I tried. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, is there a least favorite thing about UT? Least favorite? I assume it's parking. <clears throat> parking is the worst. Yeah. Oh my God. I bought this <laughs> parking pass and <laughs> it doesn't do anything no. because if you're not there, like, the crack of dawn, yep. you're not going to get a parking. I ended up just spot. parking in the garages and paying because yep. I was only there like three days a week anyway when I did my master's. So, yeah, yeah. So, I just park in, in either the garages or I pay for that like parking space, the parking go or whatever that yeah. app that you use. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm like, wow, this is a really great use of my money. Yes, of course, of course. Yeah. So, what don't, don't build more parking garages? Thank you, or UT like Transportation. That. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's probably Austin's fault too. I mean, probably we're, we're in the town, so. Um, how about Big 12 football, huh? How's, what's that like? Big 12 football. You know, to be quite honest with you, I'm not a huge football fan. And I know I'll probably get like tarred and feathered for Sorry. saying that. But I'm, I'm really not. I've learned to appreciate it mm-hmm, uh, just mm-hmm. because it will always be a part of my job. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. That's going to be your first job out of the gate. <laughs> yeah, you know. And so just understanding, you know, at least the... Uh, the structure or the layout mm-hmm. of, of the game. Like, oh, that's a touchdown. And, right, right. Oh, that's a field goal. <laughs> and, oh, you don't want to play there just because we're on offense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't want to play that song. Yeah, uh, yeah. Play this other song. So I, I know 
pretty much just the layout. Gotcha, gotcha. All football. right, all right, that's fine. You know, whatever. It's not like they're very good, right? <laughs> yeah, now. I just I don't keep up with it all. And this season, <sighs> it was really disappointing, especially as my first. Yeah, so you're the jinx, basically. I think saying. I brought you. Know, you did. Some, you did. It's either you or Getchy. One of the two. It's probably Ogechi. I think so. Yeah, I think so. You know, so yeah, Ukazu. Oh, wow. Ukazu, yes, yes. We we um, <laughs> one day she'll be on here, and I'm going to take her to task on a lot of things. She loves football. Oh, does she? Like no. loves it. Oh well, you know, loves I it so much. I don't, I don't, why she doesn't invite me to any games or whatever? Well, I mean, I'm there every game anyway, but I'm in yeah. the seats. Yeah. Well, you need to like get down there on the field. I, Let me know. I don't want to use and abuse my connections for for passes. I have a friend who has a friend, and they came down on the field because mm-hmm. not to see UT, but mm-hmm. to see a visiting school. And I'm like, you know what? No, no, no. I'm not going to do that. Wow. I'm not going to do that. Now, if UT's good again and you go to a, a big game, I'm going to be holding your bag or whatever whatever <laughs> someone needs to do. Um, I will take take you up on that offer. But for, for now, you know. You're you know. just going to sit back. Yeah, I'll sit, I'll sit back. So, Shabby, what do you think is the most overrated thing about Austin so far? The overrated thing about mm-hmm. Austin. Don't worry, Austin's not listening. So, um, Tacos. Oh, what, what's interesting is I, well... I know that the Austin tacos aren't the best. Yeah. I'm Even not. though I'm an Austin native, but I'm also Mexican. So, like, well, I, mean, I know, like, know. El Paso or San Antonio or the Valley. Um, yeah. But it's weird. Some people think Austin has really good Yeah. Tacos. It's like when you think about Austin, they're like, oh, tacos. It's, mm-hmm. it's so good. They're mm-hmm. great there. And then, you know, that whole Austin is weird thing, too. Yeah. So, which it really is weird. Um, I'm finding that it's much more laid back and chill. Yes. It than is. what I'm used to. I'm sure. Uh, just because Dallas mm-hmm. is a bit more bourgeoisie, as That's I like correct. to say. That the birds work for um, the bourgeoisie. You know That's what right. I'm saying? Mm-hmm, I do. So, yeah, it's different. That's fine. That's fine. What's the most underrated thing about Austin, maybe? Underrated? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you're like, you know what? Why don't more people know about this? Hmm. I can't really think of anything that's <laughs> super <laughs> underrated. Right, right. I, I think it's Austin. It's fine. It's fine. You know. Um, now, Shiree, in your biography, you don't list what instrument you play. What's your primary Ooh. instrument? Saxophonist. Saxophone. Yeah, I'm a oh saxophonist. I know. I really okay. wish that I would have played like either horn or clarinet. Or, Probably help you a lot more. Now. You know, I. I yeah. Don't know. I, <laughs> but saxophone's great. It's it's marvelous. It taught me everything I need to know. And yeah, I'm able to to share with others. Sure. Yeah. You know, and the thing about sax is there's not a lot of y'all out there. So yeah, that's. <laughs> nobody <laughs> picks alto sax in sixth grade everybody wants to play yeah. alto saxophone it's crazy i don't know what it is it's like, probably careless whisper i think that's and what it's it is funny because when i taught as a middle school band director mm-hmm. i had to like come up with this plan to like <laughs> have people stray away from yeah. alto saxophone correct you know just there's that's the instrument they all want to play and then careless whisper like how do these kids even know that? Yeah, it, it's it just it's like thirty years old, forty right. years old now. Yeah. I'm like, well, how do you, why do you want to? I had students who are like, Mr. Williams, uh, I want to play Careless Whisper for you, and I'm like, <laughs> no. I thought the kids want to play like those Jason Derulo songs that oh my use God. a saxophone, but they want to play Careless Whisper, and I'm well, like, okay, mm-hmm. well, it's probably the, there's a sexy sax man meme that went on years ago. Mm. You know, everything's coming back around. So, yeah, I you know, guess. whatever, whatever. So you have to arrange something, Careless Whisper. Well, if only there was a major university down. The the street from here that could oh. inquire or use my services but you know God, whatever um, i can't think of one yeah no and um if only i had conductors in the area mm. that would play my music so and you know, i can't whatever. think of we'll, any. We'll, i can't either we'll get to that later 
Um, so you have a master's of music in conducting with a wind emphasis from the University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music in yes. the great state of Ohio. Yes. Tell me about Ohio chili. Ohio chili, I did not eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so you've ruined my two chili questions here. I, I wanted to talk about the it. differences. I did not eat it. I thought that it looked disgusting. I thought that it smelled <laughs> <Wow>. disgusting. <Yeah. laughs> um I, I just did not yeah. want to even take part. And some people, like, they would argue me down that sure. it's the best thing they, that they've I've, ever I've eaten. I've gotten in discussions with people. And I'm like, I don't see how you eat that. Yeah. It looks like dog food. <laughs> it, <laughs> my dog food is better for them than what right. that, that looked like. It, I just, I can't, I can't bring myself to. We've, well, we've lost the entire state of Ohio at this Yeah, we probably have. turned and, off. And you know what? That's okay. Your first job will be at Ohio State or something like that. And they're like, here's your chili. And you got the, the cameras are on you. And you're like, oh, here we go. Oh, <laughs> That's right. You're crying. Right in front of them. <laughs> um, so, yes, we are back to the fashion and food mm. podcast here. Yes. yes. Um, um, so, now, because the timeline isn't listed on your bio, did you do your master's in, like, how did that fit in your teaching, like, teaching at the middle school, teaching at the high school? Where did the master's fit? So, actually, when I left undergrad, I went straight into a master's Gotcha. Program. Okay. Yeah. Word. And um, I didn't start at Cincinnati first. Mm -hmm. I started at Indiana State University first. Go whatever they are. Yeah. Uh, Sycamores. <clears throat> oh, go Sycamores. So, I um, started there, and um, I ended up leaving that institution mm -hmm. uh, for this opportunity at CCM that was yep. presented to me. And so I started my master master's program over and it was the greatest time of my life. Mm. I learned so much from Dr. Price, who's a great mentor of mine. And uh, I learned so much from the students that were there because I mean, they're marvelous players. I mean, they yeah. recruit the they're, best. They're good. I mean, every ensemble from, you know, the wind orchestra to the Philharmonia orchestra to opera. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. The productions that they would put on there were stellar. So my time there was uh, a great time mm -hmm. and I learned quite a bit. And so went straight from the undergrad to the master's. Gotcha. And after that, I will direct okay. the conversation. Well, hey, shoot. Sorry. <laughs> He's drinking an orangina. There's over. no liquor in there. I, I, I mean, I was thinking there was some vodka in here. There, there I, should be. There I should thought be. you spiked it or something. Well, it's, it's, it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon. It's five somewhere. <laughs> that is correct. That in, in, in probably in Spain. Um, Yes. So I want to know what, what takes a boy out of the South to the Midwest, you know, because my brother is the same way. He did his undergrad here and then he went to Michigan State. It's like, oh, you know, I'm going. So it's like you went all the way. You went to the Great White North. Yeah. So what, what took you to the Midwest? Why Indiana State? Why Cincinnati? Well, um, I was determined. And I think this was something my, my mom and dad saw in me when I was smaller. I was always like this, just independent, hmm. wanting to do everything, mm -hmm, wanted mm -hmm. to be into everything, uh, loving life type of a kid. And so when I grew up, uh, thankfully through music, I had the opportunity to explore different regions of the mm -hmm, U.S. Mm -hmm. and through various competitions, through uh, participating in all state bands and traveling to do this jazz, you know, competition, you know, I got to travel quite a bit and um, it, it, it exposed me to so much more than where I was, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, at the time being in Waycross, Georgia, where, right. you know, there just wasn't a lot. And so to be able to see all those different things just broadened my perspective. And I was like, okay. So, and then um, Indiana State came about because I saw my former mentor, Dr. Roby George, um, conducting some clinic. And I was like, oh my God, 
like there's an African-American conductor mm. and like he's really good and has done a, quite a bit. And so right, I was like, right. okay, well, let me talk to him and see what's going on. And then, you know, of course, hearing about Dr. Price and CCM, I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. golly, I was like, oh, why not? This mm-hmm. is like a revered institution. Yeah. yeah. Um, why not go? And some people would say, you know, you're going to go that far away from home, which my family, you know, said a lot of that growing mm-hmm. up. Oh, that's just too far. And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, I got to go do this. Sure. I got to go do this for me. And I want to explore and I want to be, you know, good at what I do. So I need to learn from those people that are good mm-hmm. at what mm-hmm. I do, no matter what the cost is. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm going to go and do it. And it's funny because when I left South Georgia, the night before, I was just crying like a, <laughs> a baby because I was like 16, 17 hours away. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to start this new adventure and it's going to be great. Mm-hmm, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I was like, God, I'm going to miss home and like, I'm going to miss these people that I, I call friend. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge, but a challenge worth having. Right. So right. Um, that's how I ended up in Indiana and that's how I ended up in Ohio. And, you know, I, I've always been one of those people that I don't care where I go. Sure. Honestly, I just like to explore. I like to experience. Um, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid just to go and, and exist somewhere on my own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not afraid to do it. That's I've awesome. never been afraid to. So, yeah, that's cool. Now, um, what was it like going from no cold to real cold? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was an omen because when I got to Indiana, um, they had that whole winter vortex thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I had never, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ever driven in snow. Uh-huh. I had never driven on top of ice. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I was like, okay, it's... I, I should probably go back to Georgia. <laughs> this is a sign, and I need to see that sign for what it is. Right. I need to go back. Um, but I stayed, and I had a friend. His name's Stephen Georges, and he taught me uh, how to like maneuver mm-hmm. in the snow. Yeah, it's a it's a thing. It's isn't something it? else. I I was scared for my life, but I learned how to do it, and um, I was pretty successful at it. To be quite well, honest, you're, you're sitting sitting here, so yeah, you obviously alive. didn't die. Yeah, from alive. So that. That was something else, but it, it is cold. It was colder than what I thought mm-hmm. it would be, and um, I just bought a lot of clothes, and I love clothes. Yeah, so makes sense. I know we'll talk about that uh, cool. at a later time, but I love clothes. I love layers and all that stuff. That, that, I love winter clothes. I never dressed better than when I spent two and a half years in Michigan. Oh, my God. Because it was like, because it was the same thing. It was cold, and I was like, wait, I can wear layers, and I can it's wear... The best. Yeah, when, that's why I love going to Midwest, not for any other reason than I can dress really nice for a week. That's all. That's, that's and the And then I can reason. eat different food. I, I you know, you know, I like. I don't even. I didn't even go to the exhibit hall this year. I just like. Same. I just hung out because you know, I did the exhibit. I used to have a booth, and I did all this other stuff. This isn't about me, but but I at mean, sometime really, I just. I mean, really, this is just I want to talk. <laughs> I, wanna, show. I just need someone to talk to me. <laughs> I'm Terry Grossing, and I'm going to talk about myself the entire time, and then you know, um, as you do, as, yeah, as one does. So yeah, no, that's why I love Midwest, uh, just because I like to dress up. Now now I kind of like change up the clothes stuff, yeah. but you know whatever. So. Well, Austin's hot. I mean, it's just there. are few moments when it's cold but yeah. a lot of the moments it's really hot it was like cold one day this weekend and now we're gonna hit like mid 70s yeah. again today oh it's just God. yeah i know you can't put any clothes away because yeah so um now you said you don't know much about football mm-hmm. but do you have any uh allegiances to any professional sports of any kind no no Mm-mm. no so not you're, you're not a basketball fan or a, a soccer fan i enjoy basketball okay. i actually enjoy it 
better than football. So that's but, the, that's what the sport that you would support professionally. I mean, I I don't know if I'd say support. Oh my god! I mean, I appreciate it. Sure, I okay. really do. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been to a few Dallas Mavs games, and so that's I mean, not it's, real basketball. Uh, I mean, well, <laughs> go, Spurs, go Spurs, go. <laughs> well, they're, actually, the Mavs now are are good because of that one player. So mm. good for them. Well, yeah, I wouldn't know. I mean, I, I just <laughs> I just went because of the, the right. free tickets and, you know. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Great. Okay. Well, you know, God, it takes away all of my sports I'm questions. I'm so sorry. There was only a few of them. It's fine. It's fine. No. All right. So now we're back to your bachelor's degree, which okay. you got at Valdosta State University. You said it right. Well, I rehearsed, uh, I, you know, I work with bands and I wrote for, I wrote for a band mm-hmm. and I wrote for a band in Florida mm-hmm. who was going to compete at the Bands of America Atlanta Super Regional mm-hmm. and they stopped at Valdosta State mm-hmm. and that's where they rehearsed before they made their way to Atlanta. And uh, so I, I checked it out because I was with them and we rode the bus and everything. And so we went to the student union. I don't remember anything from yeah. the student union. I just remember the stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, so how close is Valdosta from Waycross? Oh my God, it's like uh, 45 minutes. So it's basically like, I mean, you're, you're basically yeah. the panhandle of, of Florida, yes. right? Right. Up, I mean, it's the border, like you said, the, the yes. Florida-Georgia border. Mm-hmm. So was it was it just because it was local? It was close to your family? Like, wh- why did you choose that institution? To be quite honest, um, I didn't choose that institution. Oh God, this is a this is a running theme here. I, <laughs> so I applied um, for the University of Georgia. That's go dogs. Literally, where everyone wants to go in Georgia. It's the UT of Georgia. It is. It really is. <laughs> yeah. And um, I was determined to go there mm-hmm. uh, and study. And um, and who was the director of bands at that time? Was it John, John Lynch? Lynch. Yes. Correct. Yes. yes. John Lynch was the director of bands and. Um, I had applied and had gotten in and um, had an audition for the music school mm-hmm. and gotten in and saw all that stuff. But as you know, the tuition yes. at the University of Georgia is pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, the scholarships that I, I were receiving were not covering. Yeah. Makes you know, sense. <clears throat> so I looked at VSU and I was like, Okay, mm-hmm. Valdosta State. They, you know, they have a pretty good name, pretty good program. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I auditioned there and they gave me like a lot of money um, for scholarships. And then, of course, what I had on top of like Pell Grants and all that mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. Hope is what they call it, the scholarship right. in Georgia. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I kept Hope alive. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, went there with uh, the idea of transferring after two years. Right. Okay. okay. To UGA. And that experience for me at VSU was like second to none. Oh, I mean, great. I was involved in all of the ensembles. I mean, mm-hmm. I was in the marching band. I served as a drum major for three years there. Oh, wow. I served as a student ambassador uh, to the president, and I worked really close with the president and first lady. Um, I also was like orientation leader for the university, so oh, I knew the ins and outs. In. I, yeah. was, uh-huh. I pledged in fraternity there, and I mean, it was, it was marvelous. It was a marvelous time, mm-hmm. so I, but- I appreciate it. That's great. Valdosta State yeah, it looks like it looks like you uh, you made the right choice. Yeah, right? I, yeah absolutely. I, I would hope so. And, it, and so. it obviously didn't keep you from coming to your dream school with your dream teacher. I mean, Mm-mm. you're here. It did not stop me. And it's funny because, I mean, I coming through my programs and, and Waycross through, you know, middle school and high school, um, I didn't know much. I didn't know much. Just I think based off of where we were, um, there was only so much that you know, was there. Yeah, sure. That we had access to. And so it was through, like I said, those different experiences of being in all state, you know, mm-hmm. being in region band, being in district and all that stuff that I, I saw these different people and I was like, oh my God, like, I want to know where they are and mm-hmm. what they're mm-hmm. doing. And, you know, I was uh, 
and not to gloat, but just oh, being amongst go. being amongst the elite, especially in the all-state bands. Sure. You know, yeah, you're, you're going all these great players, and it's like, well, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Where are you going? You know, who are you studying with? I didn't have a lessons teacher in high school or yeah. middle school. You know, it was something that my band directors taught me, and I appreciate. They did all they could with what they had, mm-hmm. um, and I owe everything to them. I really do. Because they taught me hard work. You know, they taught me how to be determined and to go after what it is that I, I want to do. So, I mean, yeah, it, 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 it drove me to want more mm-hmm. and to seek out more and, and to be exposed to more, you know, through those, those various events. And uh, thankfully, I'm able to say that I can be here and, and that I've been there and mm-hmm. I've been everywhere else. And yeah. so it's, it's really a great honor. Yeah, you've, you've crisscrossed the country, huh? Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, now, now, yeah now you're in God's country, as we say. Hey, yeah, Texas, so, yeah, where everything's yeah. bigger. Texas forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so previous to your um, uh, doctoral uh, schooling, you, you uh, taught at the middle school level and mm-hmm. the high school level. Mm-hmm. Which, which school was first? So I taught high school first. You're at McKinney High yeah, School. McKinney High School. In McKinney, Texas, in McKinney, which Texas. I'm familiar with. Who is the d- head director there at the time? Ken Ringel's the, the head director. Oh, he's still there. there. Yeah, he's still that's there. That's right, Ken. Yeah. That's right. Okay, because they've, they've gone through like a huge, uh, like all the directors have changed in the yeah. McKinney School District like the last few years. Yeah. Um, so you were in Georgia, then you were in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. How did you make your way down to McKinney? Like, where did that come from? So let me tell you this. Uh, that's why I asked. So coming out of that last semester, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God, it's time to apply for jobs now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what people do. And, you know, with no teaching experience, mm-hmm. I was like, I have no idea where I'm going to end up. But I knew that I wanted to teach in Texas. Of course. Because I knew that's where things were happening. That's how we do it. I knew that was the best educational system. I knew that they had the best support and advocacy. You're right. I, I knew all of that. The funding, all of it, it was there. And I said, I want to teach there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so all I did was apply for schools in Texas. Good for you. And got a lot of, like, thank you for your interest. We've gone with another person. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard to, It's hard to get in the state. Yeah, I, anybody. as a transplant, oh, I was yeah. like, are you kidding me? If you didn't exactly. grow up, like, bred in, like, the Texas or, way. Or even have gone to undergrad here. Like, you could be from Georgia, but if you came and went to U of H, for example, right. you can get a job. Right, of Easily. course. So, yeah, so you, you know you know how hard it is. Yeah, it, and it was hard. I um, luckily got an email mm-hmm. uh, in which I remember seeing McKinney High School in that position being open. And I said, I'm applying for this. Because I did all my research. I was like, hey, where are all the, the, the good schools? The bougie um, areas. The, the bougie area. <laughs> <laughs> the bourgeoisie areas. That's, that's right. um, where are all those located? And where are the programs that, that stand out? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so... That's what I was applying to. And I saw McKinney there among the other schools. And I said, I'm going to apply. Mm-hmm. So I sent all my information, uh, of course, to the school district. And I sent some of my information to all of my information to Ken Ringel. Mm-hmm. And it was about a week later that I got an email saying, hey, you know, would you be open for a, a phone interview? And mm-hmm. uh, then from there, it was like, hey, can you come and meet us in person? Like, next thursday and i was like oh my god i don't i don't have money uh, <laughs> <laughs> get in your car and drive down you know so well i was back home oh you already crossed i hadn't graduated oh, oh okay yeah, and yeah. i had just come back home you know in that gotcha gotcha period of stillness. oh my so god like, so you're okay. way over there yeah yeah so i said okay i gotta i gotta make this work and so i looked on southwest and i saw this ticket that was like a hundred dollars like oh bye yeah and of course i had a friend over in dallas too you, you know and i was like hey can i like yeah. room with you just for this and she took me to my interview and all this stuff and so Got there, and it was like a dream come true. Everything about your life's been a dream come true so it, far. It, it really was, because <laughs> I, I went into this school. I remember walking, uh, driving 
passed it to the school. And I looked at it and I said, this is where I'm supposed to be. It was this feeling. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden I was like, I'm going to get this job. And so I walked in, I had my suit on, you know, I was looking all stylish. Of course. And um, I met with the principal, I met with Ken, I met with Aaron Rinsenbrink at the time, Mm -hmm. and also Mm -hmm. met with Chris Cass, who's the percussion uh, instructor there. And like, we just had a conversation. Of course, they asked me questions, but it was was more of a conversation than it was an interview. Mm -hmm. And I loved that I was able to connect with with them right away, Mm -hmm. and and I guess to match up with, with their vision or their ideals for the program. Uh, so I remember just, you know, they take it, took me on a tour of the school mm-hmm. and, uh, Ken came back to me and he said, you know, Shiree, we were just doing this for like formality's sake. Like, <laughs> you have the job and everything. Oh. And, uh, I was just like, ah, I have a job. I oh, like fantastic. money and benefits. <laughs> <laughs> Clothes. <laughs> Clothes and shoes <laughs> and shopping. Um, but yeah, that was, it was. One of the best times of my life uh-huh. teaching there at McKinney High School. I was the third director. Okay. And uh, so I taught the third band and I taught jazz band oh, yeah. um, as a part of that. And then I also taught beginner saxophone at uh, two middle schools that, gotcha. that fed us. Right, right. right. Um, and also taught some fourth band and um, did some other things that they needed me to do administratively. Yeah. yeah. And so it was it was a great time. That's great awesome. time. How long were you at the high school? Two years. Two years. Mm-hmm. I used to, um, McKinney North bought shows for me, Alan yeah, Harkey. Alan Harkey. And yeah. then I worked with Joe Nunez when yeah, he was there for years. Boyd. Yes, uh, they fired me this year. Oh. Um, so, um, oh, and then Joe didn't hire me at his new school. So, uh, Oh, my God. Joe. Yeah, Joe just told me this and last Tom night. <laughs> yep, he just told me last night. Well. So, yeah, um, yeah, it was awkward. No, it's okay. No, he commissioned me to write a, a piece. that he's, we, he's commissioning me to write a piece at McKinney Boyd, okay. which he's no longer there because a former student passed away. So he's coming back to conduct it at the spring concert. Okay. So it'll be awkward for everyone because the school that fired me and the guy that didn't hire. So yeah, this, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. You know, rib them constantly. Go like, well, hey, where's your arranger at? Oh, he's not a composer. Oh, oh sorry about that. That's, that's right. That's like you, you do. Can you tell the bitterness? In anyway, <laughs> okay. Um, so then you were you were there at the high school for two mm-hmm. years, and then you moved to pronounce it fabian that's what i was middle say. you didn't study that well it, it, i was gonna say fabian but uh, <laughs> <laughs> look look I, I got valdosta let's just get that okay so um you then became the head director at yes. the middle school yes. how long were you there at that middle school i was there for a year for a year i was there for a year okay and uh it was a great year but it was also very challenging mm-hmm. uh just because i had never taught strictly middle school mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and my desire was to never <laughs> strictly yeah. middle school but i got in there and it was one of the best learning experiences for me Great. teaching students from the beginning like mm-hmm. how to play their instrument how to read music how to coordinate their bodies how to sit i mean all yeah. of that i mean learning the ins and outs the mechanics of everything what's happening on the inside the outside of the mouth and mm-hmm. but like what's happening on your body and your fingers and i mean it was so much but it was great and i remember being up that entire summer at Fabia Middle School, mm-hmm. like, you know, designing a curriculum and, you know, setting up and organizing and having ideas. And me and my assistant, we worked like tirelessly <laughs> in preparation for that year. And even throughout the year, we worked tirelessly, mm-hmm. like many mm-hmm. sleepless nights, um, making it, trying to make it a good experience for our kids. So um, I would now encourage everybody, you know, to teach middle school. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, if not for, you know, one or two years at a time, I think everybody should teach middle school because that's where you learn. 
that's sure. where you learn and and you 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 listen and I mean it's it's so much involved in it and I think middle school is an interesting age to, I, I <laughs> to, do to put it put it mildly I, yes. it's an interesting age and them having someone there who's an advocate for them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and that can help mold and shape and and scaffold them in the right direction right. I think is so so important so that was a great experience that's awesome that's awesome so uh, we're gonna backtrack a little yep. bit but. As a, as a Georgia person, mm-hmm. then an Ohio person, describe your reaction or anything having to do with Texas competitive marching band. Oh my God! Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting here, and um, when we started summer band, I was like, "What is this? <laughs> what is this? This is like marching band on crack." Like I I have never been this competitive, Mm -hmm. you know, about Mm -hmm. marching band, (laughs) you know, from, you know, design, I mean, to props. I Mm -hmm. mean, you've seen just... I have. Ken's never hired me, so, you know, (laughs) but that's fine, whatever. Continue. So, I mean, the props, I mean, the, the music and it being written, you know, by this... Composer, you know. Well, yeah, I don't know who who did it, but let's not know, say composer. We, we, an arranger. An arranger. Right, yeah. you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I mean, it's so much money that's funneled yeah. into it. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, whoa! I only can imagine what I can do with that much money. You know what I mean? I do. So I mean, it's it's a huge production, mm-hmm. and in Georgia, I mean, yeah, it was basically uh, Cobb County, right? I mean, but, not even, not even where I grew up. Right. I mean, yeah. golly, I, we rehearsed on a grass field. Were y'all a a core style band or show style band we or were a military style. or you know? Yeah, the military style band or whatever marching. Yeah, sure. uh, but we just performed like hits, you know. Yeah, like sure. Michael yeah. Jackson and Aretha Franklin. And, yeah, I mean, that's fun. You know all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then you came over and here. And then I came here, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, and even Ohio. Um, uh, what is it? The school out there and um. William Mason, Mason. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I they used to were write fantastic. For them. They fired yeah. me too. Oh, I don't. Well. Get, I don't want you to think that I get fired from everywhere. But that's, that's how what I always it sounds put like. It. I'm just, well, you know what? You're right. Let go or something. The, I just, you know, they, we're moving in a different direction. It's fine. It's fine. In, in the biz, as we say, <laughs> yeah. this happens all the time. I just, uh, I like to let everyone know the jobs that I got fired from. Yes. Yeah. In the hopes that they go, oh man, that sucks. And then they just, yeah. You know, so, so McKinney Boyd's one of those. Yeah. And, McKinney Boyd fired me. Yeah. Um, I don't count McKinney North because they just buy old library shows. Yeah. And then they, they had someone move into the area and like, oh, we're he going to, he's going to write the shows. I'm like, yeah. okay, great. Whatever. Yeah. Now but William that, Mason. Yeah. William Mason. That one, Among others. Among us. I've been, I've been fired by a lot of programs. Hmm, how many would you say? Oh God, twenty five, thirty. But I've been doing this for a long time, so yeah. um, it's fine. It's fine. You I know. mean, it's, you have notoriety. I, mean, um, I I like to consider myself the bad boy of marching band. Mm. Yes, that's mm. right. We, we, yeah. But this is not about. We gotta me. talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> this is about you. Okay. About, all right. About yes. All right. Yes, let's redirect. Yes, so, okay. So uh, yeah. So that was marching band. Um, there there is a fella, uh, mm-hmm. an avid listener, Adam Keita. He's in mm-hmm. San Antonio, and he wrote in and said, "Hey, if you ever have people that came to Texas to mm-hmm. do band that aren't from Texas." And they moved here. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know what their reactions to the UIL rules, such as the eight-hour rule and the sight-reading procedures when mm-hmm. it comes to concert bands. So mm-hmm. as an outsider, as mm-hmm. a transplant, what are your thoughts on those? Uh, I'll start with the eight-hour rule. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I think that's actually a good thing mm-hmm. because if we didn't have that eight-hour rule in play, I think band directors would mm-hmm. abuse. Oh, yeah. 
you know, mm-hmm. their students, you know, to the max. And the students would have no time to do anything mm-hmm. outside of marching band, which well, they, right now they barely do is an extracurricular activity. You know, it's yeah. not their life. It's not what they want to do long term. And some want to be music educators and band directors. But most, I mean, they want to be physicists and do- lawyers and doctors and, right. yeah. you know, CEOs. So, I mean, yeah, that rule put into play, I think, helps. I agree. Quite a I bit. Agree. Uh, in terms of the sight reading, um, it's it's cool. It's, <laughs> it's interesting, um, but it's cool. It's okay. cool. I think I think it's it's something really good. I honestly think the setup for how Texas does, you know, UIL, of course, uh, your on stage performance and uh, the UIL. I think it's it's fantastically woven Mm -hmm, i do mm -hmm. um the criteria that they're looking for you know the mastery that they're looking for uh the skills that they're looking for that you know players should have Mm -hmm. you know after they've been through this strenuous process of learning this music you know taking it apart note by note rhythm by rhythm and now having this product in either the end of march or the early parts of april Mm -hmm. i mean and they have the best adjudicators there sure like those who I mean, golly, have been teaching for years and have fame from doing such a great job, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. within that teaching. I mean, it's it's wonderful. It really is a wonderful thing. Um, I, <laughs> I I need to to think about this, but oh. I, I'm just gonna say it. Go for it. Um, the rubric um, for a musical product uh, here, I sometimes or mostly I don't agree with. Sure. Um, just because, I mean, I don't think music is a part of the process. Mm. Uh, and with some schools and, and some directors that go, you know, after music making. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. of course, I mean, yeah, you got to have your checklist. You got to have the right notes and you got to have the right rhythms and you have to make a Agreed. beautiful sound. But the end, I think the top priority should be how are we how are we making this music? Mm-hmm. What story are we trying to tell with the notes and the rhythms that have been written on this page? What's the history? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. have we gone and, and researched, you know, what is this piece about? Is, is there, how did this, this piece originate? You know, is this taken from uh, some type of a story or is it just come out of nowhere? Is it absolute music? Is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I don't think that's something that most most band directors uh, here think about, you know, it's just like, all right, let's open the page. Let's turn on the harmony director <laughs> at quarter note equals 56. Um, and now <laughs> let's play everything on a concert F and let's, you know, and, and I, I get it, you know, that's the equation sure. that, that we all work with. Mm-hmm, but, you know, mm-hmm. I just think that it should go deeper than that. Agreed. You know, Agreed. and that we should reevaluate, um, what our job is, mm-hmm. and that's music educators. Right, right, right. Are we teaching our students the properties of music? You know, what does that mean, mm-hmm. and how do we exist in that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I do, I do. I, 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 I've come up through Texas, so yeah. I've done all those things that you're referring to mm-hmm. um, at the middle school, high school, collegiate level. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it really wasn't until I left the state to do my master's or to mm-hmm. work with other programs, it's going to sound super egotistical, <laughs> when we realized that there are other good playing bands and there are other methods outside yes. of this state, right? Yes. Um, and I worked for a band director 
who moved down from South Carolina mm-hmm. and he went, he worked at James Bowie. His name was mm-hmm. Stinkins. He passed away, but he had some different uh, methods and different ways of doing things, but he created greatness there. And it wasn't just the, um, and I'm not just going to blame this, but it wasn't the, the green method. It wasn't, you yeah. know, the, the, the map on the wall that every note, like it wasn't that he, he did allow for a lot of the things you're talking about. And sometimes you encounter that pushback, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, Oh, what you mean? You don't use the metronome, you know, cause back Absolutely. then they didn't have the harmony directors. Like right. that was just coming out. And so, you know, you, the McAdams, or yes. you have all oh these other God. things and you know, the daily drill. And, yes. you know, if you have a 90 minute class, 50 minutes is breathing and yeah. F around the room. And yes. as a composer, now I'm going to get my composer hat on. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always tell people, if I want to hear my piece played perfectly, I'll just listen to the MIDI recording. Right. Um, and there are institutions that pride themselves on being so perfect mm-hmm. that, that everything is exactly the way it was written on the music. And this is not a knock, but it will sound like it. And I apologize if it does. I love the UT Wind Ensemble. And I mm-hmm. always have because... Sometimes it's a little fuzzy mm-hmm. and sometimes you don't know if it's going to go off the rails mm-hmm. because it's so much, it's got a lot of emotion. It's mm-hmm. filled with what you talk about, like musicality. It's yeah. filled with, and it's, it's organic. Yeah. It is. And sometimes you're like, oh God, hold on. Here we go. <laughs> um, and it never feels like you're going to lose control. And mm-hmm. I don't mean that when I say it's going to go off the rails. Right. But sometimes you're just like, oh man. Oh, like, you know, you, you sacrifice sometimes uh, perfection mm-hmm. to create a musical moment or mm-hmm. an emotional moment. And UT is not the only one that does that. Mm-hmm. But I think that, if, if you're going to tell me there's all these universities that are going to play, who do you want to hear? I mean, UT is definitely on the top of the list because I think Jerry yes. Wheel, like, look, he's got a seven or eight speed sports car and he's going to use every single gear. And some universities, maybe in the Houston area, are fine being in third gear. And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, great. You drove perfectly. Wonderful. <laughs> but there's a reason why this car can go 280 miles per hour. Let's, let's push that nitrix offside button. Right. So I'm right there right. with you. Right. And it's funny that you said, uh, because Professor Junkin, he'll, he'll say that direct quote is, you know, it's okay. You know, if it's whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. I'd, I'd rather this yeah. instead of that. Correct. Correct. And, and, you know, the good thing about it is I've said this for years to all my friends mm-hmm. who are of that ilk are going to be like, oh, they're rolling their eyes. Like, oh, Daniel, it's just the way he thinks, you know, and that's fine. And everyone has their, their wants. And, and, you know, uh, I have a lot of friends that teach very good band programs mm-hmm. and do kind of a combination of all that stuff. But at the end of the day, band directors at the middle school and high school level like to say, we don't teach to a test, mm. but they absolutely do. Mm, right. UIL solo and it's like, you know, and when you go through honor band or all that process, you know, oh, and, and the, and the, uh, the solo where, you know, region, we just going through the, uh, all region area. We just had state weekend where right. the kids made state. Mm-hmm. And I remember judging and I remember performing. And if a kid did something that was a little out of the ordinary, like create some music, sometimes that was a gamble, a huge gamble. Yep. They go like, Oh, nope. And if you played it perfectly and it was exact, it was like, you don't play very it on the page. Right. Very good. And so. I've always said, well, we're creating musical robots is what we're doing. Right. Um, and people always go, well, we should make them sight read. It's like, oh, yeah, but we should also make them like, hey, play this. Like, do something with this. And if they don't know what they're doing, well, they'll probably go like, well, my band director, my lessons teacher usually tells me how to interpret this. Oh, is and I've gotten in these discussions with Dr. Beatty well, when I studied, when I did my yeah. master's. At, and we, we've talked about this, you know, and it's the delicate balance of, <laughs> like you said, um, giving them skills and teaching them and giving them the tools, but then also 
allowing them to make music. Right. And that's what we're doing. It's so funny because um, when I was back at um, McKinney High School, and mm-hmm. I would work with a series of students who would uh, want to set up times to meet with me and, and play through their, sure. their solos or yeah. um, to play through their etudes for, you know, the state auditions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there were a lot of times where I was like, okay, so what are you, what, what are you trying to say through mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this piece of music? What is your imprint? Had no idea. Sure. They're like, what What do you mean? I was like, so right here in measure five, I know it says this. These notes and rhythms are there. and But but what is it really saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, should it go somewhere? Should it recede back to here? I mean, what what is it, what is the line asking you to do? Right. You know, so what's, what's your musical story? Mm-hmm, and how can mm-hmm. you tell it through the notes and rhythms that are illustrated on this page. Because every piece of music has a journey. Mm-hmm. It has a journey and it has a destination. You know, but how are we going to get to that destination? Right. You know, what things are you going to ask yourself along this journey that this music needs, that it warrants, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. it desires? Yeah. yeah. You know, what, what are you trying to say? Sure. What are you trying sure. to say? No. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it was so funny to see the light come on mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and work with these students. And when they would come back, I would hear the nuances and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the different dynamics and, you know, the different note lengths and, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. approaches to style. And I'm like, now we're getting somewhere. So now right. let's go deeper. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's amazing how these students are very intuitive. Sure. And they're very musical. They just have to be allowed. That's the thing. You have to let them. And I know that some people will go like, oh, you know, I can't just tell my kids to play the sunset, you know, Mr. Holland's opus or whatever. And, and I get it. Not everyone is able to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Some kids just need they want to they need to play yep. and they do that. And, you know, you, you got to find the right kind of musician right. that can do that. But but I think it's just it's it's going to be way more beneficial mm-hmm. and way more uh, fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, because yep. you want to make music. You want to have fun. I, I mean, it's so much better than just playing notes and rhythms. I, I, I just... Right, right. I agree. I mean, yeah. golly. <laughs> well, and, and I know that in, there's a lot of band directors and some will... Um, I will get messages or whatever. And, that, and I, I get it. But again, they know who I am and they know the way I talk about things. And right. so that's okay. So, you're, you know, you're, you're in good company here. <laughs> um, you know, the, the problem with a lot of this stuff is if a band goes and plays first suite for UIL, and now band, nowadays in Texas, first suite's a second band piece, right? Because mm-hmm. that's just yeah. the way it is. Oh you know, you're you're walking you know, the plank on that piece because everyone has their idea of how that piece should go. Basically, the first 12 bars, it's right? A staple. Yeah. And so you have a problem if you want to make music with that piece and mm-hmm. do it differently because like, nope, that's not the way that we've done it in Texas for 45 years. Mm-hmm. And so you get in a problem. So that so I can understand why band directors would be very hesitant to go, you know what, let's let's try something different with Symphony and B flat with with Granger. You know, it's easier to go like, oh, here's the new piece that no one's heard of yet, or that's barely taking the world by storm. Let's go crazy with it. Cause the band director can go like, oh, you know, the judges who are traditionally let's just put it out there old white guys that are judging uil you know those are the ones that are going to like oh i've never heard of this omar thomas that's a great Mm. that's that's great fantastic division one Mm -hmm. but if you did anything differently with like a warhorse and find a metamorphosis that's not the way hindemith interpreted it that's a two and you're like did you know uh him no i did not but i'm going off of the 1975 recording by 45 years yes so so it's a huge deal it's a huge we could just go on and on about about (laughs) about this but let's lighten it up a little bit okay Mm -hmm. thoughts on sparkling water specifically topo chico i love Topo Chico, uh, specifically the lime. Oh, Topo that's Chico a good one. Lime. I, that's good. my second favorite. Of Some the... folks like the grapefruit, uh, and no, I'm no. like, gross. Yeah, no. 
gross. And then the original, I guess. Of course. You know, yes. I see you had. Uh, I do. I have the original. But yeah. I drink either uh, iced tea, which is half and half, mm-hmm. half sweet, half unsweet, mm-hmm. or Topo Chico mm-hmm. and, and water. But yeah, water. And after the Topo, I, I drink the Essentia water. Oh. It's so good. Mm. It's like the best drinking water in wow. in America. Okay. Okay. And y'all can quote me on that. I, we will. We'll, so, put on, we'll put that on the tagline. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's that's what I drink. That's awesome. sparkling water. All right. So we, we're done being light and be, okay. being light talking. Let's, okay. get, let's get really into this. Let's now, um, let's talk about the Midwest Clinic mm-hmm. and their new recommendations. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's a reason for this because um, we are both um, minorities. Mm-hmm. I think is the word that they use to describe it. Though we're in mm-hmm. Texas and there's more people of, of color. People, um, pers- I, um, I'm a Mexican-American. I don't, I, we'll just yeah. go with that one. So mm-hmm. the committee recommends mm-hmm. that the Midwest programs, you know, the bands that do that, that um, the bands and orchestra requirements now for performing ensembles, they have to program at least one piece by composers from what they call historically underrepresented groups, Mm -hmm. which include women, composers of color, LGBTQIA2+, composers. I I copied it straight from it. Um, I just, (laughs) I stopped at LGBT because that's what it was when I was was growing up, but Mm -hmm. But they keep adding things. I'm just this is just a thing, so I'm glad it's written down here yeah. because QHC QIA QIA two plus. Mm-hmm. Somebody will have to tell me what that is. Same. Um, and disabled composers. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about this. Okay. Okay. As we've established, African American. Yes. Mexican American. Yes. So as a, as one who is a gatekeeper for music, because that's what you're going to be when you become a collegiate uh, conductor. Mm-hmm. You're a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. You know, Professor Junkin's a gatekeeper. Doctor Beatty, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Um, let's talk about this requirement or this recommendation to be a requirement. What do you think about this? Because hmm. I have a very, I have a take on this. Well, my thing is like, what made it to the point where you're having like to require <laughs> this? Correct. Why isn't it just something that just is Correct. or that exists? Like, why, why do we have to now put regulations mm-hmm. down on a piece of paper that requires you to perform a piece by um, ethnicities, you know, mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. brown and black and Hispanic and Asian descents and, you know, LGBTQ, mm-hmm. you know, I've, why are we having to note this down on a contract Correct. for people to do? I Instead agree. of them just, this is a great piece of music by a great person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's program it. Let's Agreed. expose our kids to this. Yes. Let's, let's, why not? You know, yeah. it's, it's there. Why not, why not use it? Mm-hmm. You know, but to, to have to require this or to implement this into law mm-hmm. says a lot. It's it's like I know you don't follow sports, but there's this thing called the Rooney Rule mm-hmm. in the NFL um, that they say you are supposed you required to interview at least one minority candidate for like the head coaching job or something like that. And it's it's been around for a little bit, um, and there, that's a whole nother discussion about you know the amount of African American or Hispanic coaches in the NFL, blah blah blah. So this, but this is almost in that way where you're going. You are supposed to do this. My my thinking from this is this. Um, if the Midwest program, any band that goes up there is a house, right? Mm-hmm. You've got a house, you've got to fill your house. Right. Um, ideally, you want to fill it with as much uh, diversity in terms of difficulty, you know, style, composers, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This rule basically says now you are required to have one room in your house that is specifically for 
historically underrepresented mm. um, minorities, or I'm just going to say minorities for the purposes mm-hmm. of this podcast. Yeah. Um, so now it, it almost feels like, okay, well, we have the smallest bedroom here. All of you minorities fit in that, that room, mm-hmm. and we're going to fill the rest of the house with what we normally do, right? Because then you can go... I feel good about my program because I picked a grade one by an Asian American composer, uh, a real Asian, not someone masquerading as an Asian. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Instead of the goal. And I understand maybe the goal is like, we want, we want exposure, right? Like, Mm -hmm. how do we know about Omar Thomas? How do Mm -hmm. we know about Ryan Day? How Mm -hmm. do we know about Jay Coles? How do we know about me? You know, unless somebody is quote unquote forced to program that. Mm -hmm. But the reality of this is what I think they're going to pick Julie Giroux. They're going to pick Carol Chambers. They're going to pick, you know, they're going to pick this and go like, I've got my woman. Mm-hmm. I've got my African-American. I've got my Hispanic. And nine times out of 10, and I don't know this for a fact, it's going to be the grade one or the two or the grade three mm-hmm. because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like this actually handcuffs us as minorities as opposed to widening exposure to us because then it's going to go like hey um you're the former director of bands you were successful in getting our program you're going to conduct the grade one and it's going to be by insert minority here Mm -hmm. that's what i think yeah i agree (laughs) i I, i'm wholeheartedly with you on on that sentiment i mean it's they're not doing it out of of pure intent it's not altruistic yeah. It, it, it's, 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 it's fake a, wokeness. Right. It's a requirement for mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. you know, set by these folks, you know, who think it should be this way. Right, right, right. You know, for us to fulfill a status quo, yes. if you will. And, and don't get me wrong. I think it is coming from a, a good place. Yes. You know, Dr. Sedatal and, and company, they, they want to increase this. Absolutely. And, and I know, uh, you know, that there are some high school programs that submitted their program Midwest mm-hmm. that had no composers of color or minorities. And they came back and go, you may need to reconsider this. Or no idea about those composers. Right, right. And, and that's, and that's, and that's a, that's another question. So, so I want to, I want to ask you about this or, or mm-hmm. talk about this. You know, there are some places we'll talk, we're talking about music where historically underrepresented groups do not currently exist in volume at a high level. That's mm-hmm. where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think as a, as a, as composers, mm-hmm. as conductors, as you, as you mentioned, Um, not because obviously we can't do this. It's just that society that we've come up with, there is, it wasn't allowed or it was discouraged or it was in a lot of ways like the old boys club, Mm -hmm. right? Regardless of, of whatever it is. And this pertains to, to women, this Mm -hmm. pertains to LGBT, this can pertains to minorities, right? Um, so there's, hasn't been a lot of time for diverse people Mm -hmm. to grow into the leadership levels in the positions in the field. So like you have, uh, what was the the name of the conductor that you studied with, African-American conductor? Uh, Dr. Roby George. Right. Um, we have Dr. Nick Williams, mm-hmm. um, who is now in Australia. Yes, right? yes, at Melbourne. Um, you know, Dr. Fagan. Yeah, you know, DeAndre and, Fagan. And, and, you know, Dr. Crooms now. Dr. Rodney LSU, Dorsey. Dr. Rodney Dorsey, yeah. you know. And, and you know, it, it sucks that we're at a point where we can name them yeah. because you can go like, well, name all the, and, and this isn't a bashing a white conductor thing or anything mm-hmm. like that, but I mean, if you put 10 conductors in a room, eight of them, Yes. Are white males? Yes. And then you have um, Dr. McCoyne, mm-hmm. Dr. Turner, yeah. you know, um, uh, Thrynan. Dr. Beatty. Dr. Beatty. Like, yeah. it's the same thing. Like, you can name, like, you know, you shouldn't have to be able to name them because there should no. be like, oh, there's just too many to name. Right. So, but we, we've, we right now in music, in band, because, you know, this is what we're talking about. We, we haven't allowed diversity to improve to the numbers or that people can get to the point where they can start mm-hmm 
helping that. And and obviously that's something as, as African American, Mexican American, Asian American, as you know, D- Travis Cross yes. over in, in California, yeah. you know, like then you can start. We can start helping that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it is on us to do it, but it is, we do need that little help. So I understand why Dr. Said it's all in the Midwest, you know, all these other people are saying we need to do something, but I don't know that this is as great of an idea as, as maybe some would hope yeah. or think so. Yeah. Or as impactful, you know, that's the word. That's the word. You know, you, 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 we have to fix the culture before we can actually make a lot of advancement in the field. And um, are you familiar with the composer Jay Coles? I I've seen I know his name and I yeah. I've we're Facebook friends I think yeah yeah he's a he's a young guy yeah. a young African American he's in Indiana right now mm-hmm. Carl Fisher publishes his yeah. music he's like a young phenom conductor mm-hmm. I mean a composer a lot of younger band music but some middle range yeah and he posted something a few years ago and I apologize if Jay's listening to this and I think it made him like basically leave Facebook where he was like everyone should be required to perform a piece by you know underrepresented mm-hmm. and and the amount of vitriol that was on his Facebook wow. wall. I will. I should never be told to play a piece of music by insert race here. I only play good music, and he's like, "Well, yeah, but I just think people need to be exposed to this." And he's like, "And the people, I don't. I, if it's good, I'll know about it." And <sighs> and yes, God. if the cream will rise to the top, mm-hmm. but you know the cream's a lot. A lot of times is white. Yes, you know. And and again. Please don't send me angry emails saying I'm bashing white people. My wife is white. My daughter is half white. It's like going, oh, I'm not racist. I know. I, I, I've got a black friend, right? Like I, I get all of that. I, I realize how I sound. Um, but, but you know, my brother is a band director in uh, the Houston area. Mm-hmm. And he submitted a piece of music to UIL to be, uh, you have to prove it if it's not on the list. Mm-hmm. And it was by a Mexican or Latin American composer, uh, Ricardo Lorenz mm-hmm. up at Michigan State. And it was denied. And and he was upset because there was another composer, and I will not name, who is of who's a white composer and wrote a piece based on like Mexican themes or Latin American South. So, and that was approved and added to the list. So uh, a, a white man can write a music sounding like Latin music, and that gets on the list. But you get an authentic Latin American, and mm-hmm. I, I misspeak Hispanic. I don't know what uh, Dr. Lorenz is or, or Professor Lorenz, mm-hmm. but he couldn't get the piece on there. Wow. And 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 so it, it, we have a cultural problem, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. and it's going to be hard. And these little moves are good, yeah. but it's like you said, I don't think it's going to have the impact. It's not enough. It's not. And and so I want to put that on now. We're going to change the word composers mm-hmm. to conductors. Mm-hmm. So um, is there anything that we and whether this is white, black, Mexican, mm-hmm. brown, whatever, that we can do to encourage and promote and lift up those individuals wanting to be collegiate conductors that are minorities? Well, I, we first have to be accessible. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, I mean, they have to be able to connect mm-hmm. with us, and we have to be able to want to reach out and, and, and discover, you know, those persons that, do want to go, you know, and do this and mm-hmm. do that and, and create this and create that. Um, it's just being visible, yeah. being visible and not being so high and mighty and just up <laughs> your own, you know, um, that you can't connect with a person, mm-hmm. you know. And unfortunately, our profession is full of that. Yeah. Um, just snobbery and oh my god i'm like it's just band it's just music whatever yeah, yeah. you know talk to people you sure. know get to know who they are mm-hmm. understand them you know be authentic mm-hmm. in understanding them and mm-hmm. and see what it is ask them questions what they want to do and you know what means have they taken to want to get there and how can you help and mm-hmm. just be mm-hmm. available yeah uh for them i think that's you know step one and you know step two 
of course you want to, you know, be an advocate for their, their product, mm-hmm. you know? So if they're a composer, you know, and you, you're going and you're listening to their music, you're like, okay, I think this, this is, this got something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and Hey, let's, let's hook you up with Daniel Montoya. Let's, yeah, let's I like that idea. Hey, <laughs> 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 let's, let's see what he has to say. And, you know, let's, let's see how we can further develop this. And okay. Now that that's, we've further developed this, let's, Let's take this on. Let's let's mm-hmm. put this with a band. Let's see how it sounds, and you know, let's yeah. see what what type of a response that we get. Let's see what the feedback is, yeah. and let's continue to go on from there. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, mm-hmm. I just think it's giving someone that chance. Yeah, you know, whether it be white, black, Hispanic, Asian, you know, LGBTQ, mm-hmm. you know, just give them the opportunity. Right, right, right. You know, for for growth, for progression. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so just just being there as an advocate. Um, yeah, I think. That's all I can think of. Well, right and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting some of my, my, I have a friend, Daniel Sanchez, he's Hispanic, and we were talking about the lack of minority representation in drum corps, yeah. um, whether a designer, um, in, in the big, big roles, like mm-hmm. the arranger, the mm-hmm. drill writer, you know, there's very, very few women, very few minorities. Um, and, you know, he said a few things that really kind of struck with me, and I thought it was, you know, he said, you know, if you could hire diverse when it's feasible and equitable do, to do so, this isn't good enough by itself, and it won't fill up to be representative percentages today because it's just you can't just go like, oh, automatically, what's the percentage of African Americans or Mexican American or Asian American? Yeah. It's just not going to happen. But one thing that he said that I really liked was we have to create and ident- identify more entry or mid-level positions that can be filled in a diverse way. And these positions need to allow for growth mm-hmm. instead of being the highest that yes. they'll ever reach. Because I think we're going yes. like, you know— um, I have this one spot as a director of bands and maybe we haven't given enough opportunity for people to grow. And if you go, well, he or she's not ready for it, then you say that's that. Well, that, I, you know, I can't put that person. But if you go, well, what if we had that person down there and we work towards that? We work that because um, right now we're, you know, we uh, we just have these jobs and, or these opportunities and they're all high level and they're great. and We all want them. But at the same time, we have to grow and we need the opportunities to grow and not everybody gets those same opportunities. Right, right. And I, I mean, I tell you what, Daniel, I had no idea that uh, being a conductor, let alone uh, a black conductor at a high level, you know, was a thing. I, Is it crazy? I had no idea. Right. Um, all throughout middle school and high school, I knew I wanted to be a band director, Um but I, I also knew that I wanted to do it on a high level. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know about conducting until like my junior year of undergrad. I didn't sure. know that was a thing. Yeah. Like I was like, people can, what? <laughs> you could major in that? And as I progressed, you know, in my conducting journey or my music education journey, you know, I started to see how, how less, how many less of us were. The higher you go up. You know, on mm-hmm. that level, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, wow, I wonder why that is. And the, all these tools are out there, mm-hmm. you know, for, for for access. But I'm wondering if even people of my color or, or other ethnicities, minorities, mm-hmm. feel that they can access those resources. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And feel comfortable in doing so and don't feel like they're looked down at or you know, condescended mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. you know, like it's superfluous, you know, or above them. And I'm like, 
No, like this, mm-hmm. this, it's all out there for us. Right. This is a free resource. Like mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. can do whatever we want to do, you know, with who we want to do it with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, but it's just being, being in a place to where it's made available, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to us. And yeah, of course I understand responsibility and, you know, looking up things and researching mm-hmm. and going mm-hmm. after and all that stuff, but making it available is also another part of that equation you right. know, for us too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean... With me, I've I've just been trying, hey, you know, yeah, I'm at people see you're at the University of Texas and you went to CCM and you know all this stuff and you've done all the things I want to do. I said, Well, you can do it too. Right, right. And here's how. Sure, sure. Yeah. And 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 we understand that not everyone I mean, we all have different opportunities mm-hmm. presented to us. You know, and this this goes for all races mm-hmm. and all genders right. where it's like there are poor white mm-hmm. people, yeah. right? There are poor white straight men out there. Yeah. And there are poor gay Mexican men and it's so that yeah. you know Poor, poor sees no color, really, right, you know. Right. Um, so we understand that some schools, some people, some communities don't have those same types of opportunities mm-hmm. or limited opportunities. So we have to figure out how to empower them or give them, I hate to use the word equality because that really doesn't work, mm-hmm. but, you know, how, how do we help someone who doesn't have the same opportunities at their fingertips yeah. that, and, it, and again, it's not a, a race thing. It's, you know, I am of Mexican American descent. Everyone but my brother and I were born in El Paso, which is a border town, Juarez, you know, and, and they all speak Spanish and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I realized that I come from a certain place of privilege. I'm not your normal Mexican. My friends like to use the term, you know, coconut, right? Brown on the outside, white on the inside. I, I get all that, you know, and I'm not fluent. I haven't experienced the sort of racism that maybe my mom and my dad had coming from El pa- from El- from El Paso. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only thing I can remember is uh, I grew up bilingual and I went to school and all the kids made fun of me because I was speaking Spanish. I don't remember this, and I came home crying. My mom asked why, and I said because they're making fun of me because I was Spanish. From that point on, she didn't force me to have to learn Spanish anymore, hmm. which I hate because. I'm not fluent, yeah. right? My brother's the same way and you know, we're doing our best. But I understand that I'm a quote unquote Americanized Mexican American, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so like I, I get all that. I'm I'm not the poster child for speaking about mm-hmm. Mexican rights. Mm-hmm. So I want to fully acknowledge all of that <laughs> right off the bat. You know, I I I like things, but you know, at some point why do we go like, well, what does it matter if you're a quote unquote white Mexican mm-hmm. or, you know, blah blah blah. I don't but that's a that's another story. But I just want to make sure that when people hear this, they don't go, Well, well, Daniel, what are you talking about? You mm-hmm. don't know Spanish. It's like, mm-hmm. well, I know enough. You know, I know enough about my culture and my heritage, but I want to make sure that I, I fully acknowledge right. my privilege of that. But that's the hard part is that mm-hmm. the reality is it's hard as privileged people. Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, and there are privileged minorities, like, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, but it's hard for us to identify all the problems in the interactions and the activities. Um, and it's important to have some historically underrepresented groups, minorities, they need to have their input, input and oversight mm-hmm. onto that, you know, because you mentioned seeing people that were like you, yeah. right? My middle school band director, Eddie Zamora, um, he's a, he's like Texas band royalty. Mm-hmm. Now. He thinks he went to UT. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a Hispanic band director, right? And then um, my percussion teacher was Hispanic. And wow. so I always saw Hispanics in positions of quote unquote power, mm-hmm. right? In music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my percussion teacher at Texas stage, Nero Gonzalez, Hispanic, you know? Oh. So I was able to see those things. And when you're talking about the ability to see those things and think it's that it's a possibility. So when you have a band director crew of four or five or six with percussion and guard, maybe they're all white men. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're all white women. Maybe mm-hmm. they're all black men. Like, it doesn't go only one way, right? right? So, you you know, we want to give the children, quote unquote, you know, 
hey, I could be like him. I could be like her. There's a there's a gay woman that's teaching band. I'm a I'm a I'm a young girl right. who's gay. Right. I can do that. Right. You know, and it's so empowering. It's so empowering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It really is to see that example in front of you. Because mm-hmm. like I said, I had no idea. I just thought that, you know, band directors were all white. Uh, I, I did. <laughs> I really did. And I mean, of course, there were some instances where, you know, I grew up in Georgia, so I, I saw Alfred Watkins. Yes. And I saw what he did. And yeah. he's, he's a great mentor of mine, too. But I was like, wow, like even him. And there's people that are working at the collegiate level, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that are doing the same thing that he's doing. And oh, my God, I mean, we have access to that. I can do that. Right. I had no idea. Sure. So how do I do this now? Right. And, and that's when I would go and I'd ask questions and I would do research. And I'm like, okay, so where are the top programs for this? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. how can I be a part of that? Right. You know, who do I need to speak with about this right here? Okay, I'm going to get in contact with them. I don't care how high up they are. I'm going to send them an email. Yeah. And we're going to speak about it, you know, because I deserve that too. Right. Yeah. You know, Agreed. I deserve that too. We all deserve that. It's and and it goes back to having those examples in front of you and being able to have access mm-hmm. to those examples. I mean, just like you, you you saw all of your directors, you were of Hispanic mm-hmm. descent, mm-hmm. you know, and oh my God, you were like, oh, I can, I, I can sure. do that. Sure, yeah. Oh my God. So I mean, for me, that was life changing. Right. It was life changing. I mm-hmm. cannot explain to you how life changing it was, um, and it has been a motivator for me. You know. Each and every day, it's like, okay, so how can I now be an example for the next generation, right. you know, of, of um, minorities, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. LGBTQ, all of that stuff. How can I be an example for a good example for them? Mm-hmm. And then to add on that, how can I be a good resource Right. For them. Yes. Yes. And, and I think that's part of the hard part is being a resource because you think maybe it's like, well, I, I, I'm, can't you just see I'm here? I did it. Mm-hmm. You can do it too. It's like, yeah, but I need help. Well, well, you know, and, and it's hard. It, it, it is hard to give of our time. Mm-hmm. I understand that some of us mm-hmm. have families, jobs, school, mm-hmm. all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we just, we have to be more visible in our, our help for our people. Right. right. And it's not going to happen tomorrow. Right. I mean, it's not going to happen in our lifetime, you know, it, but maybe my child, maybe our children will mm-hmm. be able to see more representation of women, minorities, yeah. LGBT, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to take time. Yeah. Um, but the moves that we make today, it's going to, now it's going to sound like, a, you know, the moves we make today. Will influence it's planting a seed. It is. It's it really is. And, and you can speak more to this because he came and worked with UT. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I really like about Omar Thomas, I mean, I like his music. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's get that out of the way first. <laughs> I do like his music. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I like the message that he, and I don't think, I, in no way, shape, or form is it an act. I don't think he just mm-hmm. says, this is what I'm going to do. In per- it's like a facade. Like, I see the pictures of him. I, I read what he writes on Facebook. Like, his message about promoting the African-American culture in everything that he does, the way he dresses, the way he speaks, the music he writes, yep. like this is his plan. Yep. This is his message. This is his life. Yep. And he is going into, let's be really honest, mm-hmm. a lot of white schools. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't go like, oh, I better change my shirt. Nope. He wear, I don't know the name of the type of shirts he wears. I'm not even going to pretend to go like, isn't it called a this? Like, <laughs> I just know I look at it and I, I'm like, yeah, that, that looks like what I think is African-American culture. Yeah. And he'll go into the whitest, richest school that probably voted a certain way. And he's going to be himself. Mm-hmm. And he is going to promote black excellence, right. black music, black Absolutely. culture. Absolutely. And I am all about that <laughs> because it's great. And I, I can only imagine... 
him walking into a room and yes. seeing kids of all races, maybe mm-hmm. some some African American kids that are afraid to be African American, mm-hmm. and they see that and go like, "Holy crap!" Wow! And, and we're playing this piece, and I can see Hispanics, whites, Asians going like, "Oh, geez, what is he wearing?" <laughs> and then hear Omar talk about it, and then you play a piece that is brilliant. Yes, and then it's just like. And these kids, whether they know it or not, their lives are changed. Yep. Because they are exposed maybe for 30 minutes, only 30 minutes, but that may be only the only 30 minutes of their lives Mm -hmm. that they are exposed to African-American culture, African-American excellence. And it's not in February. And it's not just a little movie. Go, let's learn about black history in America. (laughs) And you watch that and everyone's on their phones and, you know, they stop like, Omar is a living, breathing, yes. organic representation of that. Yes. And it's amazing. Absolutely. It's so, <laughs> it's so funny because, Daniel, I kid you not, um, I woke up this morning and his uh, new piece, uh, Shenandoah, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. was on my heart. It was, it was on my mind. It was, it was resonating really strongly this morning with me. And um, I just remember the feeling I had as it was resonating, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, this is, this music is just so, it's so feelingful. Like, it's, it's so pure mm-hmm. and it's so authentic. It's so, I get emotional to talk about it now. But <laughs> yeah. Just because I, I just, I remember the feeling my body felt mm-hmm. as I was processing, you know, how this music was going, how, what the story was behind it, how he was expressing himself. Mm-hmm. Through the notes and the rhythms and through the harmonies that he implored. And I mean, just the rhythmic, I mean, all of it, how it just wove this beautiful story. And I sent him a text because we're, we're great friends. I love Omar. Omar is like one of my greatest friends, everybody. Um, so, humble brag. Yeah, <laughs> I love him. I really do. I hope he's listening. Um, but anyway, I texted him. I said, Omar, I said, your um, piece, Shenandoah, was on my heart this morning, really heavy. And I said, I just want to thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for what you are contributing. Yeah, It means the world to me. And I'm sure to others, but to me, it means so much. Mm-hmm. And he sends back like this Oprah gift, like crying. <laughs> <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, thank you. And he said, oh my God, that means so much and all this stuff. And then we started talking about other things. Of course. Joking and yeah. stuff. But yeah. I, I cannot express to you how... What he's doing is so powerful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I love how he's so unapologetic. And that's the thing. Like, he is taking risks, it. whether <laughs> I'm sure he knows, yep. and whether we as privileged people yes. know or every time he steps into a room mm-hmm. that is not, you know, dominant Mexican American, African American minority, um, he's judged. Yep. And people, whether they know it or not, and whether it's malicious or not, Oh, how unprofessional. He's not wearing a suit. Oh, can you, I can't believe he's showing his hair like that. Like things that have been said about African-Americans in all um, facets of life, right? You know, like how dare these football players wear their dreadlocks and blah, blah, blah. Or, and there's way more extreme versions that we won't talk about here. But, but, you know, he walks into a room being himself every day is a risk that someone may go like, I'm not playing your music because you dress that way. How dare you shove this into my face or blah, blah, blah. And you just said it. He's unapologetic and he's taking every risk and Here. he comes from somewhat of a, of a privileged place. Yes. He teaches at a, oh my at, God. at Peabody, right? At like, Peabody. Yeah. So he, he is, he is, he is at one of the most well-known institutions 
And every day that he goes works with a program on something like this, you know, he puts a lot of that at risk. He's because at the peak he's, of his profession. I yes. mean, we're talking about, I mean, and the wonderful thing I love about him is that he wants to see all of us, mm-hmm. especially African-Americans yes. and other minorities, mm-hmm. like get there with yes. him. And he is holding on to them by like, let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. Let's take over this world mm-hmm. and let's make it rich with with color and rich with creativity and rich with equality. Let's do all of that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and be good at it. Yes. That's the thing. That's and the be thing. be good at it. Yes. And I mean, I, I appreciate that about him and wow, it's, it's yeah. just refreshing. It, it is. Really is. It is. I have, a, I have a friend, he's not in the music world. He was in high school band leader. His name is uh, Jamil, Jamil Brown. He uh, did his undergrad at Princeton mm-hmm. um, and now he's doing his law degree at Virginia, I think. Um, and, you know, he... Very similar to Omar, he mm-hmm. saw that he was he was he was able to get these opportunities due to his family and and whatnot, and he wanted to help out. And so he, on his own volition, just started saying like, "I know that there are barriers for young African American people mm-hmm. and um, LGBT mm-hmm. um, who want to be lawyers yeah. and like taking the test, like this is expensive, or getting the the tutorial tools." And so he took it upon himself to be like, "Look, send me. I'm going to say it incorrectly, but basically, send me applications." Mm-hmm. Emphasis will be put on those of color, LGBT, um, and you know I'll pick one or two, and I'll pay for your. I think it was like wow. the the LSAT tutorial or something that had to do with becoming a lawyer, and that company caught onto it, and they go, "We love what you're doing. We'll piggyback on that." Wow. So it's the same thing where you know we are, and and I'm I'm trying my best, and I don't know how to do it yet. Mm-hmm. To how do we help out our our people, quote unquote, and because. Look, we want the help and we'll take it from white people, from mm-hmm. privileged people. But at the end of the day, we have to help ourselves too. And we have to figure out how to do it. And you're talking about Omar, you know, we're talking about Jamil. We're For talking sure. about other instances where, you know, we, we have to do it. I mean, a, a very famous example is, is Tyler Perry. Yeah. I, I read oh about God, him yes. opening that film studio. like mm, In Atlanta, yeah. all on his own money. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's just like, here we go. I mean, what was it? Bad Boys 2 is being yeah. filmed there. Coming to America 2 is being yeah. filmed there. Um, and it's all, you know, Atlanta's a hotbed for film for sure right now. And, you know, and to see, to see, we have to do things for ourselves yeah. and by ourselves, I'm sorry, our people, yeah. our help us. But, you know, there's Tyler Perry who has a gazillion dollars. <laughs> and then there's Jameel Brown, who's a probably a poor, starving <laughs> college student right now. But, but, we can do something. What, what, whatever it is, it's different from person to person. Yeah, we just gotta, yeah. just gotta find figure what it, it out. is. Find what it is for sure. And it's it's funny because lately, um, I've been discovering uh, a lot of people have been in contact with me, especially mm-hmm. um, those of the African American her- heritage that have been contacting me about you know mentorship and mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. how did you get where you are and. You know, you're studying here and what brought you there. And I love to, you know, have some more input. I love to have you as as mm-hmm. a resource, as a guy. And I'm like, yeah. okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk. Here's my number. Let's let's have a conversation. You yeah. know, they're like, Can I send you video? Can I send you this? And can you tell me about this? And I'm like, Yeah, sure. Whatever. Right, right. You know, if you want me to come out, I don't I don't mind at all. You don't have to have to, have to pay me. Sure. I'll, I'll sure. be I just want to help. Right. I just want to be of any assistance that I I, I can be, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. we gotta get there. Yeah, you know, and it takes somebody helping, you right. know, and yeah. and understanding and being compassionate. Yes, you know about this thing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because hey, 
I'm still there too. I'm still learning and I'm still growing and I'm still gravitating towards those people that, you know, have been influential to me and who are mentoring me and, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. who want me to experience the the greatness that is this profession. And Mm -hmm, so they're doing mm -hmm. everything they can to help, you know, so I want to be that same person, you know, to someone else. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. And and I, I will I'll be one million percent honest. I will take the obligatory minority spot on Midwest programs. You know, I'm, <laughs> I ain't too proud to I'm not going to turn it down and go, how dare you? You know, like Julie Giroux can write on Facebook. I will not be part of all women concerts, you know, because mm. she's Julie. And yeah, she can do she that. Can do that. If yeah. someone wants to call me up and go, like, hey, uh, we, we figured you'd, you'd yes. fill the slot. I will say yes. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know, put up a, a, a fake face on this right. one. I'll take it. Right. But at the same time, I'll be like, hey, you know, like, and and I do region. Like, I'm doing a region band this weekend. Okay. Um, I do one a year, luckily, because okay. you know I got a master's in it, so I thought you know pay it off. And I try my best to you know yes, always play one of my pieces, so that mm-hmm. fits the the minority. But you know, like I try to find new young composers. I try to find um, composers of, of minorities, women, you know, in, um, uh, different races, and it, and so. I, but I also understand how difficult that is to find quality quality literature mm-hmm. of that. Or if I'm like I'm doing the ninth grade band so yep. i obviously can't play come sunday by yeah, omar thomas yeah. <laughs> i can't do that one um so you could do shenandoah you know and and I, well really and good. i didn't know about that piece when i submitted the music yeah part, you know yeah. so um so the other issue is and this, this is the point i'm getting at is hey all of us underrepresented let's write for also younger band too yeah. but i know how hard it is i hate writing for young band because I don't know how to do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a reason why the same like six people kind of have that market cornered. I get it. It's tough. But, um, you know, we talk about creating more entry mid-level positions. Yeah, I get it. The grade one, two, and three is probably that. Um, but whatever we can do as minorities to do that, whatever minority conductors or white conductors, white mm-hmm. composers, you know, Julie was, is uh, doing a band and she's like, oh, I'm playing a Ryan Day piece and I'm doing this. And, you know, she's trying. We're, a lot of us are trying. You know, Rob, sure. what Rob Deemer and Christian Michael Folk are doing mm-hmm. with the composer uh, univer- uh, diversity databases, yes. you know, all that's great. Mm-hmm. All that's great. We just, um, you know, every little bit helps. So yes, we'll take it. Right. Dr. Said it's all. We'll take it. <laughs> Rob Deemer and Christian. We'll take it. Julie. Um, right. But then also we need, like you mentioned, uh, we yeah. have to do it. So we can't just, it, it can't just be the white knight. You yeah. know, we have to, we have to help ourselves in, in however way we can, whether it's, I'll help you with your LSAT preparation or I'm getting a booth at Midwest and it's going to be filled by nothing but minorities or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And you even know? like, you know, speaking of conducting programs, I, mean, I have a lot of people that are asking me, you know, recently about, well, how did you get there? Mm-hmm. You know, what did you do? What were the steps you took? I was like, okay, let's, let's talk about it. Yes. You know, yeah. this is what I did to get to CCM. This is what mm-hmm. I did to get to UT. Um, here are the steps you need to take right. in yeah. order to even have uh, a glimmer of mm-hmm. potential you know, in entering this program. Right. You know what you I mean? You got to play the game. You got to play the game. But if you can't play it if you don't know that there's a game. Right. Right. <laughs> and that's that's where the education part comes in. Because yes. it's like, okay, this this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because people ask me a lot, how do I get into that? And they just think, well, if I just write music and I submit and you go, hey, who do you know? I don't know anybody. Boom. And that that is, it's not a secret, but it is a secret. It's like, you have to know people yep. and uh, you have to know the right people. Yep. And and that means going and introducing yourself to people. That means, you know, doing this. Now, did you do the UT conducting symposium before you came? I to did. UT? I did it twice. You did it twice. Huh? I did it twice. And I met Professor Junkin mm-hmm. at CCM when he was the guest clinician yeah. for that See, workshop there up go. there. And so I got to like take him around and be his like That's... errand boy. 
and I got to like know some more things mm-hmm. um, about him and, and his expectations and what he looks for. And um, through the workshop, um, I learned even more, mm-hmm. you know, about mm-hmm. him and what he's looking for. And, and that's the thing. So and so I was like, oh, yeah, I know what to do. You know? Right, right, right. I know what I got to do in order to get where, you know, I want to be, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know. So it, it is like you said, it's a game that we have to play and we have to understand that there is a game present. Yes. You know. And, and yeah, yeah. Now, now, now we go Terry Gross. You know, I uh, did the conducting symposium. Mm. That's right. I have a master's mm-hmm. in conducting. I don't know if you know this. I did not know that. Dr. Beatty was my teacher. What the heck? Yes. And so I, I applied for, for UT. Uh-huh. I'm going like, uh, well, who knows if I'm going to get into this. Because uh-huh. it was like the year or two before they started doing this. Whole, like now it's an even more complicated process to mm-hmm. get into it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got in. Now I've known Jerry Junkin mm-hmm. since he was, since I'm from Austin, mm-hmm. he would do like the middle school, the, uh, right. all city band. So he's known me probably since I was like 14 years oh, old. Oh, wow. So now it's almost, like, it's very much like, oh, Daniel, you know, it's like one of those relationships <laughs> kind of thing. He says it just like that. Yeah, too. exactly. So, oh, you know, Daniel. I did, I did the symposium and it was my turn to conduct and, you know, I'm standing there and you, and you, you know, the room. Right. So there are observers. There's middle school, there's college, and there's all these people that are doctoral candidates and want to be. And I'm just there like, I just want to learn how to conduct better. You know, whenever, when we're asked me, why do you want to do this? And I go, because I don't want to look like certain composers who conduct music and they look awful. Yes. Like I can name two of them right now, Ooh. but I won't. Um, <laughs> but people who know me know exactly who I'm talking about. You'll tell me after this. Okay. I, oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I, I went up there and did it. You know, I did the first thing and I thought it went well. What and, did you conduct? Uh, God. Remember? Um, Oh God, Dvorak! Oh, okay, I think, uh, and the Grand Partita was probably okay, up there, yeah, we'll and there was another one. I, I forget. It was you know you got three of them or All something right. like that, and you know Jerry comes up and they, they do your debriefing. He goes, you know, I got you know I got to tell you, Daniel. This is in front of everybody. He's you know I know Daniel and I saw your application and really didn't know what to expect. So I thought it'd be fun to just see what you do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like. Okay, so I was up here for laughs. So it was either going to be spectacularly amazing or spectacularly awful. Or you can go. This is why we never let those people. In. <laughs> um, but you know, come to find out, you know, he was talking to another another person that threw a message. You know, yeah. it. You know, he was surprised. He was pleasant. Not 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 Pleasantly surprised. Surprised. Not surprised enough to go like you should come study with me at UT. <laughs> but but enough to be like you know what well, he knew what he was doing. Okay. You know, which is which is great. So that's my that's my entry into now. Wow. See, so we're we're kind of we're kind of the same. See, I had no really. idea you got oh, your yeah. master's. Did you know I write music? Oh, well, I mean, barely. Yeah, but you get fired <laughs> yeah. so much. I think I think I people mean, <laughs> would say barely. Also, <laughs> you get yeah. fired so much. I know. Well, that's marching band. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did go to UT for one year for mm. my master's in composition, mm. and um, I burned out. Like I just, I could, I had done six years of my undergrad cause I had a long, lot of fun. Well, <laughs> and so I left, I left after a year, but, um, I was, I had to play in the win ensemble with Dr. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the orchestra with Dr. No at okay. the time we did Mahler too, which oh, is wow. amazing. And then, uh, Junkin, we you did, played in the we played in the wind ensemble and I, I was there with Tom Burrett and the percussion, the new, new music ensemble, uh, Welcher was on sabbatical, mm-hmm. like, and so it was with somebody else, but I had a great time. I love it. Wow. Yes. I had no idea. I don't know. You know, I didn't tell me why doesn't Ogechi tell you these things? I know. Ogechi's the problem. You know, she's the worst. She's the worst. The worst. (laughs) All right. So uh, we've, we've talked about some heavy things. Um, So let's, let's end on some good things for the folks listening to us at home Mm -hmm. in their cars, in their bathtubs, in the subway, walking their dogs at the gym, typing up invoices, waiting for results at a marching band contest or guarding a bathroom during standardized testing. Please describe in excruciating detail what shoes you are wearing. I have on right now uh, a pair of 
V is it the V two three fifty Yeezys? That's correct. Uh, they are the I want to call it the lime green. Well, it's the Ye Chiel, right? The Ye, yeah. Y e c h e i l. Yeah. Non reflective. Non reflective. A man after my own heart, right now. Yes, I freaking love these shoes. They're so comfortable. They did cost me a pretty penny, but I don't care. Word. Um, just because I really like shoes. I love shoes. Uh, I love you're, clothes. You're told, yeah, yeah. I love fragrances. I love watches. I love everything that is bourgeoisie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like every like wallets, like everything like Louis. You like accoutrement. Louis Vuitton. I love accoutrement. Yes. Um, so it's it's amazing. I love I love them. And this, I mean, isn't. The last pair that I'll get. No, so. no, I, I I love them. They are they are Yeezy Adidas Yeezy Boost three fifty V twos. And notice them the minute you walked in. Yeah, he's like, oh I'm, my god, you got them. It's I like the like, yeah. it's like the shirt that says I make shoe contact before I make eye contact. That's <laughs> that's my life. So, um, would you call yourself a sneakerhead? I wouldn't call myself a sneakerhead. No. I wouldn't. I I do buy them mm-hmm. just, just because I like um, diversity in my apparel, diversity in my shoes. I like to be able to. Have one style one day, have one style another day, mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. able to go out in the streets mm-hmm. and be able to go into like a presentation or I conduct a band or do whatever. So yeah. uh, how many sneakers would you say you own? Oh, my God. Um, I'm going to say I own probably over 30 pairs. Okay. All right. And then does, do you count um, uh, couture luxury sneakers into that or is that a different category? Put, I'll put the luxury sneakers into that. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was about 30, 30 or so. Okay. And then the the rest of that is like dress shoes, so slippers. And How many would you say you have of those? I'm going to say I have almost uh, over 40 pairs All right. of those. That's a nice collection. I, you got to look good. I, you got to look good. Shoe changes. You know what Come I'm saying? People I do. Are, people are looking up to me. for And, for and, and looking down at you, this, too. And you looking know, down. Your feet. I'm yeah. like, hey, my eyes are up here. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, I love, I love to dress. I, I love anything that's fashion. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, I just love it. I really do. You know, it makes me happy. That's awesome. I love that. I, I, I love it. Um, if you how, need any styling done, let me know. Oh yeah. Whatever. Yes. Um, do you have a most prized shoe, whether it's a sneaker or a dress shoe or a slipper or a sandal or a slide or prized? I don't think I have a most prize. I just, I mean, I just like wearing them. I do, I really do enjoy these though. They're comfortable, the aren't Yeezys they? These I have. I, I think they're amazing shoes. I do. I agree. People will call them ugly, but I, they're so ugly I have to wear them. It's like so. we said uh, before before we got on. I mean, just yeah. sometimes it's it's so ugly, it's, it's cool. It's so and, terrible that yeah. you have to get you it. You have to. You have to. I'm, the louder the better, right? Yeah. Ostentatious, Austin. as they say. <laughs> That's right. Hey, we're in Austin. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so what's next for you, Shiree? Hmm. Well, I first have to get through this doctoral program. Mm-hmm. Um, You're only one semester in. I'm only one semester <laughs> in. <laughs> so I, I have to get through this doctoral program, um, which has been a great journey so far, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, after the doctoral program, I'm, who knows? You know, I'm looking to to attain a, a position at mm-hmm. a university, um, whether Entry level, which I know it will be, or sure. yeah, something might happen. Hey, you I might get know. lucky, and you never know um, how the heavens might open up. But you mm-hmm. know, I'm I'm open to you know whatever that is. Um, I think that's what's next. I I'm just open to the possibilities of whatever college position mm-hmm. you know I achieve, and um, yeah, right on. That's that's pretty much it. That's cool. Um, is there anything you want to plug? 
like, hey, I'm in the Austin area, band directors, if you're looking for a oh clinician or a conductor. Yes. Or, okay. I, all right. Good. I, I, yes. So uh, for sure, like band directors in the Austin area, band directors in, in the Dallas area, Houston area, or even the United States. That's right. There's airplanes. Like, I, I'm, I would love to come and, and be a part of your program and to work with your students. Um even as a clinician for the band or even as a, a contest judge, you know, mm-hmm. for solo and ensemble or, right. you know, whatever it is, um, I'm here to help. I'm here to hopefully um, give some insight um, into what is it that we do as mm-hmm. music educators and how we can enrich that experience for our kids. So, hey, if you need me, I'm here. That's right. That's yeah. awesome. Well, Shiree, it has been a pleasure to have you here Pleasure's today. Pleasure's all You're goodness. an absolute delight. Uh, I feel like we should hang out. If only Ogechi yes. had introduced us sooner. Well, she's selfish, and so she... Really? She's... I mean, we, we throw this word around a lot, but she really is literally the worst. Yes, she is the worst. And I'm going to tell her that. You, well, uh, well you'll, you'll play At her. home. You should. <laughs> we should both text her. Every, everyone listening to this right now, text Ogechi Ukazu and say, you are the worst. You're the worst. The worst. In all caps. This episode of Sketchbook Podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by me, Daniel Mathoya Jr. in Austin, Texas. Our logo is created by John Su of Purpose Designs, and our music is provided by Epidemic Sound. If you enjoy Sketchbook, tell a friend about the show or share a link on social media. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns? Email us at sketchbookpodcast at gmail.com. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at SketchbookPod and join the Sketchbook community on Facebook at Sketchbook Podcast. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Sketchbook Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Thanks for listening.